I have a friend, believe it or not, whether you believe that I have friends or not, but I do have a friend whose name is Joel. I'm not going to tell you his last name on the off chance that you might know him, but I want to tell you the sort of friend that he is. Okay, so Joel and I used to work together at Chick-fil-A. This is going a few years back, and one year during the holidays, Joel invited me out to play football with some of his friends. So this is something that they did every year. They played football together, and they got a group of their friends together, and it was a lot of fun. And so he invited me to come out and play with him and some of his friends. Now, I'm a pretty extroverted person, and although I had no idea who was going to be there, I knew Joel was going to be there, and so I thought, how bad could this be? So a bunch of his friends showed up, and I showed up, and the process of picking teams began. Well, this jerk, not only did he not pick me for his team, but I was picked dead last. And if you know anything about being picked last, you don't really get picked. It's just kind of assumed that you're on the team who has the last pick. And so you awkwardly do this half jog, half walk sort of thing over to your team and you act like your ego or your pride isn't too hurt. Now, as if that's not bad enough, Joel invited me out again the following year and he did the very same thing. Unlike my friend Joel, the good news when it comes to our relationship with God and the good news when it comes to our faith in Jesus is that we are all included. Every single one of us is invited and we are all included. This is the gospel. This is the good news and the message of Jesus Christ as condensed as I can make it. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your experience in life has been. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter the socioeconomic background that you grew up in. It doesn't matter. None of those things matter. We are all included through faith alone in Jesus Christ. You and I are invited into a relationship with the living God. To help us better understand that this is true, we're going to continue the journey through Colossians as we read from chapters 1 verses 24 through chapter 2 verse 5. So if you could open your Bibles with me as we prepare to read this together, I'm going to echo the same sentiment as Pastor Tim. Really grab your Bibles. You're going to need them to follow along with the sermon today. So if you could just take a few moments, grab your Bibles, go to Colossians, and turn to chapter one with me. And if you remember last week, Pastor Tim talked about the preeminence of Christ. In short, Jesus is number one. He is the first round draft pick. He is the head of all creation. Everything visible and invisible has been created by him and for him. Jesus reigns supreme. And it is against this understanding of Christ that we pick up in verse 24 of chapter 1. It's also important to notice that as we continue looking at Colossians, Paul begins to shift gears and he moves away from a theological tone and he moves into a more personal tone. So with that in mind, let's read together Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 through chapter 2, verse 
5. This is what it says. Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ Jesus. In this passage, Paul is explaining his call to make the gospel fully known among the Gentiles. And we'll see the extent that Paul is willing to go to to make that happen. It's important that we recognize how much of a shift in thinking this was for the early believers. The fact that the gospel included the Gentiles was absolutely unthinkable. But Paul knew what he was called to do, and he was willing to suffer to make it happen. This should be so encouraging to you and I, because the truth is, we are Gentiles. Prior to Christ, we had no ability to have a relationship with God, but now through our faith in Jesus Christ, we are included. Verse 24, Paul says that I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. What an incredible perspective Paul had. The fact that he rejoiced in his suffering shows that his rejoicing wasn't conditional and it wasn't based off of his circumstances. He connected his suffering to the suffering of Christ and for him, that was a reason to be excited. Paul not only rejoiced because of his suffering and connecting him to Christ, but he recognized how his suffering benefited the overall body of Christ and how his suffering benefited the church. Without Paul, there would have been no church in Asia. Paul offered up his own body for the body, the body of Christ. And similar to Paul, the purpose of our suffering is that through personal hardship, The benefit we receive is not just for us, but our suffering is also for the benefit of others. And similar to Paul, the fruit of our suffering should result in the building up of the church and the furthering of the gospel. It should lead to the salvation of others. 
It's important for us to understand that when Paul says he is filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions, it's not at all because he sees a lack of sufficiency in the work of Christ. Here, Paul is focused on the fact that Jesus is no longer with us in body, but he is with us in spirit, and that spirit is at work in you and I. The suffering that Paul is filling up is the suffering that you and I, as the church, continue to fill up as we are called to suffer like Christ for the continual spread of the good news and of the gospel. We continue in verse 25 and 27, as Paul says, of which, speaking of the church, of which I became a minister, according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Again, we are reminded of Paul's purpose. Paul's purpose was to make the gospel fully known among the Gentiles, to preach the good news to those who prior to Christ never had a chance. If you're like me, when I initially read this passage, I wanted to know the mystery. But Paul uses the word mystery here ironically. There is no longer a mystery. God's plan of salvation is revealed in Jesus. When Paul wrote this passage, there was an elite group of people attempting to confuse and delude, as it says in this passage, the early believers by causing them to think that there was some secret knowledge they needed to obtain to become all that God wanted them to be. But Paul blows the lid off of the entire thing and reveals that from the beginning of time, God always intended to save the Gentiles by sending his son. Not only did God make a way for the Gentiles to be saved, but Paul goes on to say that the riches of the glory of this mystery is the fact that now Christ dwells in them, the Gentiles, through the Holy Spirit, the hope of glory. So not only are Gentiles now able to receive salvation through Jesus Christ, but they have the ability to be the very temple of the Holy Spirit. Of course, we now see this in hindsight, looking back through the scriptures, but up until the time that Jesus came, it was a complete mystery known only to God himself. And now that Jesus has come, God's great plan of salvation is revealed. It's not a mystery. Jesus is the revelation of the mystery. You know, trying to grasp this mystery is critical for you and I as modern believers. In our modern understanding and construct of the church, it's easy for people in the world, Gentiles, to think that we are this elite group of judgmental people who have all the answers and we hide behind our walls. However, in this season, when we're not able to go to church, you and I are called to be the church. 
We're called to be the church in our neighborhood. We're called to be the church to our friends who don't know Christ. We're called to be the church in our communities. We are called to be the church. Remember, we were once excluded because we are Gentiles as well. We were once excluded, but now because of Jesus Christ, we have been included. The gospel is available to all types of people from all different backgrounds. They don't need to look like you. They don't need to talk like you. And they don't need to act like you. They don't have to have their act together to receive the mystery, which is Christ Jesus. The only thing needed for salvation is faith alone in Jesus Christ. We can actually see this concept being played out in the following verses when Paul says in verses 28 through 29, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all of his energy that he powerfully works within me. Paul uses the word everyone here three times. And this is right after he just got done saying that he's revealed the mystery of Christ and now he is helping believers again to understand that Christ is available to everyone. Like Paul, we too ought to warn everyone and teach everyone so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. No one is excluded from the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul makes it his goal to present everyone mature in Christ. That is, everybody who is willing to respond, no matter who that may be. And he does this by toiling and struggling with all of God's energy that God powerfully works within him. This is to be a model for you and I as believers you know, it's interesting to me that Paul would even have this perspective that God was working powerfully within him because as he's writing this letter, he's sitting in prison. Yet Paul realizes that God is not limited to the prison cell that he's sitting in. He understands that God is able to continue to powerfully work through him even in the form of a letter. But little did Paul know that 2,000 years later, we would still be reading the letters that he wrote to encourage the early church and that we would be encouraged by them as well. Paul is exemplifying for us how we ought to toil and struggle as believers with the purpose of making other believers. And ultimately, we are to trust God with the outcome. In chapter two, verse one, Paul uses the word struggle again. Verse one says, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not yet seen me face to face. In this passage, you can see Paul's heart for the Gentiles. The word he uses for struggle is better interpreted as agony. Paul agonizes over the Gentiles. Paul agonizes over the lost. At one point, Paul mentions that he has not seen many of them face to face, which means, Paul, which means that Paul agonized over people who he had never met before. In the same way, 
we ought to toil and struggle and agonize over our brothers and sisters in Christ. During this time of social distancing, when we, like Paul, are unable to see each other face to face, we should agonize over our fellow believers, both in our church and around the world, specifically as it pertains to their faith. Paul agonized over the church. And the reason that he agonized is outlined for us in the following verses, two and three of chapter uh, two. It says that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all of the riches of the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul's desire is that the heart of the church would be encouraged, and I hope that we can be encouraged by these words as well. Although, that, although we are unable to be together in one place, it is our mutual love for Christ that knits us together at this time. Although we're unable to meet in one place, it is the love of Christ that brings us together, even as we're watching this. To fully understand Christ's love, we must be a part of the church. It is impossible for us to be all that God has called us to be if we're not part of the church. The importance of being knit together is that it prevents us from being easily separated from the body of Christ or from Christ. When we love and are loved by others, we are able to experience the fruit of the gospel. It is in practicing the truth that we can have full assurance and it is only in a loving community that we can be encouraged to live out our faith. Paul ended this section of Colossians the same way that I wanna end the message today. He says in verse five, for though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith. Although we are unable to be together, we are together. We're together in spirit. And I'm excited as we look forward to the day where we can be together again. I trust that when that happens, our faith as a church will be even stronger than it was at the beginning of this thing. So like Paul, let's rejoice in our suffering as it benefits the entire body. Let's grow in the knowledge of Christ and let's share him with everyone while we remain knit together in our mutual love for Jesus. Let's be the church. Let's continue to love God, to grow together and to serve others.